listening to From Boise. So Bogus Basin, which is our local ski area, is starting to open up for its 81st season, which is quite a long time. So I thought you might be interested in learning a little bit more of the history behind Bogus Basin, how it came to be, and I don't know, maybe like where it's headed. So this story was written by Sharon Fisher and I, Marissa, will be reading it to you today. All right, let's let's do it. This is the history of Bogus Basin. Bogus Basin was founded in 1942. It's been downhill ever since. You may be surprised at how recently skiing came to be a thing in the United States. The first U.S. ski club wasn't formed until the late 1880s at Dartmouth College in Hanover, New Hampshire. And what's considered to be the first destination ski area in the U.S. was actually Idaho's Sun Valley in 1936. But of course, our most beloved ski resort in Boise is Bogus Basin. Susan Sad, who is the Director of Community and Customer Relations at Bogus Basin, said that Bogus is the largest of just a handful of nonprofit ski areas in the country. She said that with 2,600 skiable acres and more than 500,000 skier visits, Bogus is not just a little hometown ski hill. Its nonprofit status is actually its superpower. Founding Bogus the expert on Bogus Basin's history is Eve Brassy Chandler, who is the author of a book called Building Bogus Basin, which came out a few years ago, but it's still available for purchase at the Bogus Basin downtown Boise office. And it's fantastic. If you're looking for a good last minute Christmas gift, this is such a good book. So uh, Chandler is a history writer for many years, and she returned to the Boise area in 1981 and then wrote this book in 2009. And she just retired off of the Bogus Basin Board of Directors after serving for nine years. Chandler told us that people actually were skiing around the Boise area in the 1930s, prior to Bogus being constructed. There's a couple of areas that people would ski, like the American Legion Golf Course at the end of 8th Street in the Boise foothills, and they would also ski up at Horseshoe Bend Hill. Consequently, the, when Sun Valley opened in 1936, it was only natural for a lot of Boise people to go visit that hill. And they came back saying, if Sun Valley can do it, we can do it too. So Boise's Junior Chamber of Commerce, which is known as the JCs, started promoting the idea of a ski resort near Boise. The Boise Ski Club was incorporated with the state of Idaho on February 15, 1938. Members included a group of engineers from Idaho Power. As Chandler said, those Idaho Power people loved to ski. Many of them were responsible for getting a lot of things done. The JCs applied for federal grant money from programs such as the Works Progress Administration, or the WPA, and the Civilian Conservation Corps, or the CCC, and they also got help from county, local, and state officials. Chandler said that it was a big group effort. You can't point to just one person or one organization. It was a lot of people working together on this. Around that time, the three engine brothers, who were Norwegian emigres to Utah, were traveling around the western U.S. as ambassadors for skiing. In 1938, Alf Engine, who was a ski champion and the director of the Wasatch National Forest, led searches for a Treasure Valley ski area that would provide year-round recreation. They started near Pilot Peak and skied to Horseshoe Bend, skiing over 150 miles 
altogether over three trips. When they got to Bogus, Alf said, this is the perfect spot. It had the right terrain. Horseshoe wasn't steep enough, and it didn't get as much snow. And it was closer than Idaho City, so it was much more accessible for people in Boise. At the time, Bogus was just 19 miles from downtown Boise, which actually ended up being 16 miles after the road was short. This basin was already known as Bogus. There were a lot of stories about how Bogus got its name, but Chandler says that the definitive reason was based on a group of swindlers from the area in 1866 who melted sand silver and a slight amount of gold to create bogus counterfeit gold therefore the name bogus basin so funded by a wpa grant and built by about 120 ccc workers the bogus basin ski area project broke ground on november 28 1938 the first tasks were to build the road then a lodge and then a bunkhouse for the workers as well as to start grooming trails and creating the first runs. The road alone ended up costing about $307,000. The plan was to open Bogus in 1941, but the bombing of Pearl Harbor actually delayed it for a year. Chandler said that some people were up skiing, they were climbing up the hill and skiing down, and when they went to their car for lunch, they heard of the bombing of Pearl Harbor. So instead, Bogus Basin officially opened on December 20th, 1942. The first runs. In those early years, skiing at Bogus was not like it is today. At first, there was just a 500-foot tow rope. A rope tow is a cable, and then they splice it, which means they connect a rope or ropes by interweaving the strands. Then they attached this to a wheel with a motor to turn it. So up at Bogus, they had put up the tow rope before they even opened, and they did this by hanging the motor, which was actually a car motor, from a tree, and then the motor would turn the rope. And then the day that they opened, it wasn't working, so they had to re-splice the ropes. Bob Greenwood, who is the founder of Greenwood's Ski House, moved to Boise in 1950 from Washington State for the skiing. He remembered the days when all they had was the front side and they would ski on snow that we don't even see anymore because now we have groomers. Greenwood is 97 and he is still planning to ski up at Bogus this season. He says that he was just a ski bum when he first moved here. He taught at the ski school and worked whenever he could. Um, He also worked in the store when he couldn't be on the mountain, which back then the store was called CNS Sports Equipment. Now it's called Idaho Sporting Goods. Greenwood would ski a couple days a week and then teach lessons a couple days a week. In those days, the drive to Bogus was nearly as thrilling as skiing down it. Boise sometimes had more snowfall then than it has now, and even Boise streets weren't always able to be plowed, Greenwood said. The road to Bogus was one way uphill in the morning and one way downhill after 2 p.m. Greenwood said that it was a dirt road and that it had a lot more corners than it has now, believe it or not. Places would turn into mud. Cars would lose mufflers on that road. He said it was a tough mountain road to drive and they'd plow it, but still, it was rough. Snow would drift in the cuts that went from one range to another. And Greenwood said that a couple of times they had to shovel 100 or 200 feet to clear a path for the cars to get through. On a busy day, there would be a couple hundred skiers going up to the hill. The growth years. As the years went by, Bogus improved. 
First, in 1946, Morrison Knudsen put in a T-bar to get to Doe Point, which is where the big cell towers are now. And then Bogus got his first chairlift in 1959. Improvements continued over the years. There's two more lifts added in 1957. The Day Lodge, which is now known as the J.R. Simplot Lodge, was built in 1962. A double chairlift was built in 1964, and the backside opened in January of 1977. Another double chairlift was installed in 1972. The Pioneer Lodge was built in 1973. The original 1959 chairlift was upgraded in 1981. Night skiing started in 1986, and what's now the Simplot Lodge was expanded in 1991. And the Morningstar chairlift was upgraded from a double to a triple in 1999. Bogus was also getting a lot of attention, even nationally around this point. In 1948, it held the first junior national ski championship, and Idaho Power produced a film about it, which got sent to ski clubs all over the country. Skiing was growing in Boise and across the country, you know, in this time span. However, financially, Bogus was not doing so hot. It had always been a not-for-profit, formalizing its status as a 501c3 nonprofit organization in 2005, but it had its tough years along the way. In fact, in 1952, it looked like the resort would be shut down completely. The State Highway Board refused to remove snow on the road, and the Lewiston Tribune reported that the equipment was to be dismantled and sold to another ski resort. But J.R. Simplot, who used to own a house on the hill up on the drive up to Bogus, bought its ski lifts and leased them back to the organization, which helped Bogus survive. At that point, Boise City Recreation Director Bill Everts became the Bogus Basin Director, which Chandler said he did for seven or eight years on a voluntary basis. Greenwood also added that Bill Everts was the one who really got things going up at Bogus Basin. But Bogus did continue to have lean years, particularly in the mid-1970s, when it actually had to shut down due to drought. Money was always a problem for Bogus. So the Bogus Basin general manager in the mid-1970s was Mike Shirley, and he came up with an idea that not only revolutionized skiing, not only at Bogus, but across the entire nation. He decided to not only sell a season pass for $199, which was previously $500. So Bill made season passes $199, and he also made them available to purchase during the spring skiing the previous season. According to a 2010 Skiing Heritage article, season passes leapt almost 10 times, from 2,854 pass sales to almost 25,000. The result was discounted season passes all over the country. While that solved the yearly operational funding problem, it did not end Bogus's financial troubles. Susan Sad told us that about 10 years ago, Bogus Basin's long-term viability was in doubt. The organization faced a changing business landscape, financial tension from low snow years, and lacked a current master plan. So the organization raised money from the city of Boise and the J.A. Catherine Albertson Family Foundation to conduct a feasibility study to ensure its future. Sad said that at the time of the study, Bogus operated in the wintertime only. Across the industry, other ski areas had been adding summer operations, and Bogus's feasibility study revealed that our outdoor-oriented community had interest in year-round recreation at Bogus Basin. 
At that point, Bogus retained SC Group, which had conducted the feasibility study, to develop a comprehensive master plan and a strategic business plan. In addition, in 2015, the organization hired Brad Wilson, who had the experience working with SE Group on a master planning as general manager. Brad Wilson is our current Bogus Basin general manager. So completed in 2016, the plan for Bogus's future included three major components. First was developing revenue-generating summer activities. The resort is now open seven days a week in the summer and offers a variety of activities such as the mountain coaster, which is literally one of the most fun things in the world. If you haven't done it, you absolutely have to. It is not for kids. It is for kids, but it's also for adults. It's so much fun. You'll love it. Anyways, they also have an adventure course, summer tubing, a bungee trampoline, a climbing wall, and a mountain bike park. In addition, an outdoor plaza, lawn, and food and beverage outlets supports events such as music on the mountain and yoga on the mountain, as well as guided nature hikes and other environmental education programs youth and youth camps um, in partnership with Boise Parks and Recreation. They also have several mountain bike and on-foot racing events that happen up there in the summer. To go along with the new activities, Austin Smith, who is the Innovation and Marketing Director at Bogus Basin, created the year-round True Bogus Pass, which includes winter and summer season activities. Second was enhancements to the winter facilities. These included upgraded and expanded access for beginner skiers, new terrains such as new named runs and trails, expanded night lighting, more brush cutting, new grooming equipment, upgraded lodge and food and beverage facilities, and a high-speed quad chairlift. Sad said that upgrading the Morningstar chairlift to a high-speed quad for the 2019-2020 season transformed the guest experience on the mountain. I can confirm this is true. This new lift more efficiently transports riders to expert terrain on the backside of the mountain and provides a much easier load-unload experience for those accessing the beginner or intermediate terrain. The biggest change was adding snowmaking. Mother Nature had been proving to be not too reliable in the 2011-2012 season. Bogus didn't open until January 19th due to low snow, which absolutely devastated revenues, as you can imagine. To pay for it, Bogus raised $6 million from a capital campaign that took just seven months to complete. The project created a 13 million gallon retention pond to capture runoff in the winter and spring, which provides snowmaking for up to 13 runs, and they plan to add more. Sad said that this addition has helped assure a dependable winter opening date, providing reliable and critical income during unpredictable winter seasons, and the investment has paid off. Bogus enjoyed its longest operating season in its 80-year history last year during the 2022-2023 winter season. They stayed open all the way into May for the first time ever. And the resort has reliably opened, at least in part, during the all-important Thanksgiving weekend every year since. The upshot of the three components was more than a $45 million cash investment that completed the 10-year plan in just five years. Envisioning the future. Bogus is not just sitting on its laurels. It is now working on a brand new master plan and is considering aspects such as additional snowmaking, facilities, infrastructure, and expanded terrain, Sad said. That includes the possible impact of climate change. 
Sad said that climate change is the number one threat to the snow sports industry. She said that Bogus is taking steps across the organization to respond and prepare. The organization recently joined the National Ski Areas Association Climate Challenge, which is working collaboratively with ski areas to prepare for and address climate change. Moreover, in 2022, the organization retained Warm Springs Consulting to conduct a greenhouse gas emissions inventory for the area. Finally, it is expanding its environmental education and stewardship team to educate the staff and community about best practices for environmental sustainability. The result should be a bogus basin that continues to provide outdoor recreation opportunities for Treasure Valley residents of every age and ability for many years to come. You can, of course, read this story and see lots of historical photos that go along with it in today's newsletter, which is in your inbox or at friendboise.com. You can find Chandler's book called Building Bogus Basin in the Bogus Basin downtown office. That was written a couple years ago, but there is still some copies for sale there. Bogus Basin also released a book last year called 80 for its 80th season, which is all about Bogus's 80-year history. It's very interesting. You can buy that one online, which I will link to. And if you want to check out Bogus Basin for yourself, it is partially open for downhill and opening up more in the very near future, depending on snow levels. Also, the Nordic trails are open daily. The Tubing Hill is not yet open, but it will be very soon, I imagine. You can follow further opening and snow reports at bogusbasin.org. This story was written by Sharon Fisher. Sharon is a digital nomad specializing in history and tourism. You can check out her book about the history of Cuna, Idaho, and you can read more of her work at the link in the show notes. All right. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening.